And I think that once people get used to respectful care (laughs) with informed consent and informed refusal, once they get used to that, it's hard to go back to the other because they will demand everyone treat them like that. It's like once you're in a really healthy relationship where people are kind to you and respect you and it's hard to go back to an abusive one, right? Because you know, this is, this is the way it should be, right? Hi, my name is Augustine Colebrook and I'm the principal at Midwifery Wisdom Collective. I speak on this podcast about big picture, political issues and the future of our profession. Hey y'all, I am Jamara and I'm a midwife. I'm also a birth justice activist, and this season, I am looking forward to sharing stories of Black midwives and the communities they serve. Hello, beloved birth community. I'm Angela Love, nurse midwife since 2004, preceptor, and mother. I have a home birth practice called Midwife Love and a national telehealth practice called Midwife RX. My mission is to keep birth choices available and to educate the next generation of midwives for our daughters and grandchildren. Matriarchy Now. I'm Layla Wyatt. I get to share with you the voices of student midwives from across the country and beyond. This season, we focus on those students who just graduated, are about to sit for the NARM, or did yesterday, and we get tips and tricks for you for what happens at the end of the student midwife journey. Hello, hello, beloved community. I'm so happy to be here with you again. I'm excited about today's um, conversation that we're going to be having. I am Angie Love, nurse midwife. My pronouns are she, hers. I am currently a, a CNM in community birth. I have a home birth practice, and I also do telehealth um, around the country through Midwife RX. Um, Zul, you want to introduce yourself? Yes. Hi, Angela. My name is Zul Ruiz. I am a CPM and a licensed midwife uh, in Florida right now. I'm from Puerto Rico. Um, and yeah. I have an easy access clinic in Florida. Um, what else can I tell you about me? You're going to tell us everything about you. We <laughs> want to know everything, Zul. Everything. <laughs> so Zul is on one side of the state of Florida. She's over in St. P, and I'm over on the other side, the East Coast in Vero Beach. Um, we had met through a client that we had in common. We got together a little bit more at the conference, and then she even came over and visited me. So it was so nice. <laughs> So Zul, um, you want to tell us where, where do you want to start? You want to start with your journey to midwifery or you want to tell us about your clinic first? Um, um, sure. Um, maybe, yeah, maybe about my journey through midwifery, because mm-hmm. I think that's what has led me to what I'm doing today. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't like a straight line journey. Um, I am born and raised in Puerto Rico. Um, I had maybe like many of us an experience based in how things are done, um, were done at that time um, in the island that was less than, um, it was, it was very traumatic for me. 
um, when I had my first daughter. That was 18 years ago. And I didn't know about midwives or about anything. But at that time in Puerto Rico, um, unfortunately, and I think like I've heard in other countries, including here, sometimes um, everyone accepts like um, violence and trauma like it's the norm. Right. Like I had I ended up having a cesarean and a, and a lot of things that were very hurtful for me. And I was left with it's no way that this is how everyone come into the world. But I have a big family with a lot of cousins and a lot of aunties. And the second that I raised that everyone had a more traumatic story for me. So at the end, it was like, oh, you think that was bad? Wait until I tell you what happened to me or what they did to me. And can I, can I pause one second? Because I think people love to do this to pregnant women. They beautiful pregnant woman's walking along. She has her birth plan. She has her birth ideas. And people out in the general public love to say, listen, it's not going to be like that. It's going to be horrible. Here's all the horrible things that happened to me. So just be aware, you know, it's like, so that is not unique. I don't know why people like to do that. I, I don't know either. Yeah. Just like you say, it's almost like, get ready. Like yeah. forget about that. Just get ready for this. So I was one of those. And shortly after that, I moved to United States to LA and that was the first time that I heard about a midwife. I remember this, I'm in a class and every time people ask me about my birth, I would start crying, but not even that I planned it, just the fattest tears would run out of my face. <laughs> and this particular woman, she was German and her English was very um, a, a little like me when I moved here. So she goes, where do you have your baby? And I go, oh, in Puerto Rico in a hospital. And she goes at home and I'm like, no, no, no where it's not a hospital that is go home and that went on for five minutes until she finally <laughs> took out her phone and showed me a woman carrying her baby and measuring and I go that's your bed that's a bed and she goes yeah at home <laughs> and after that I was fascinated and ideally I started learning 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 because my plan was I'm gonna have a second baby and it's gonna be at home um, that baby came many years after that, but I, that's how it started when I said, I love this so much um, that I want to be um, a midwife and started as a doula childbirth educator in Los Angeles, then moved with a traditional midwife in Mexico um, that I met in a conference because I wanted to know more and why these particular people have that view, have that compassion, why they thought that birth could be different. Like I, I couldn't get enough of that. Um, and that's how, that's how I started. And around four years ago, I moved here to Florida where I heard about Jenny Joseph and the clinic that she have, because along with what I, what I learned and the other piece that I learned when I was in United States is this experience is not unique for anyone, but then is the other, I guess, intersection or addition of when you are in a foreign country and you are from another race, in my case, Hispanic, or when you're black, 
And then that was another part that added like another piece of the puzzle for me and the person, the midwife that I wanted to become. So then I started doing a lot of community work and that led me to here and to wanting to learn from Jenny Joseph because she has been one of the pioneers in that way of thinking of like, yes, we have midwifery, we have love, we, we have respect, we bring another view to what is birth, but then additional to that, let's bring these other people that are lacking and that are that that have other factors that affect their experience in the world whether you're with a midwife or no or even have access to a midwife or not Mm -hmm. let's make it available to everyone Mm -hmm. yeah okay awesome and so you went to school with Jenny how was that so I I went to school in California Oh, okay. So sorry. Midwifery school in California, and mm-hmm. then at the, and then I moved to Florida, and I flew back and forth until finally I moved here. Um, you know, it was pretty amazing because it was eye opening. Jenny have been Jenny Joseph have been doing this for for forty years, and the same. She went through her journey, and she's not even American. She went to school in um, in in England, and then she comes here and she's like, "Oh my goodness, like what is this?" Mm-hmm. Um, and she, it was like seeing another way, another uh, another way to look at what we want to bring to families, but that not all the time, maybe not home birth is not for everyone. I guess that's what I'm trying to say, especially a lot of communities and a lot of people that maybe do not have resources or or have a lot of trauma or have a lot of family dynamics which Jenny called like the like the toxic zones um that that then you know we is is learning how to be a midwife in a different way that maybe that that when you go to midwifery school and it's a little bit more romanticized, right? Like what we're bringing and this hour, two hours appointment and this let's, you know, all eat organic food and, and take classes and all of that. When we're being with Jenny was still creating an impact, but rewarding the needs and the way to do it differently. So, yeah, I think it's really like meeting people where they are, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, I have a to-do list in my chart and the to-do list, you know, has everything that I don't want to forget to do (laughs) with my client. Cause you know, at 45, I need a list. (laughs) So there's very basic things on there. Like, you know, remember to do the glucose test and remember to do the GBS. But then at the beginning of the pregnancy, I talk about ideal situations. Like, can you get a water filter? you know, so that you can have pure water? Can you avoid microwaving things in plastic? You know, so I'm trying to like address the toxins in the environment. And yes, it'd be great if everyone ate organic fruit and veg, organic meats, but we have to address people where they're at, you know? Yeah. And so you have to adapt, I think as a midwife to, as you get to know your client, where is your client at? And you can help them. You can help them improve, you know, their diet, if that needs to happen, Mm -hmm. but it's going to be, yeah, I don't want to say baby steps, but it's going to be little by little, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not going to snap your fingers and people are going to change overnight. Absolutely. Because a lot of these things is the first time they hear them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you can have people that 
I mean, trauma should never be something that we compete with our trauma, right? Mm -hmm. Trauma's in the eye of the beholder. Mm -hmm. And so you have some people are traumatized the the way they were treated in the hospital and maybe they didn't get certain things they wanted. And you have other people that were traumatized and have histories of sexual abuse from a young age, you know? So it's very, it's very unique and individual. And I, that's one thing I like about midwifery care is that we can make it so individualized. Go ahead. I'm sorry for interrupting. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, no, 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 not at all. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And, and I think that's the beauty when I think when you're a student, the beauty is that you get to be with different preceptors and see how people work and with who people work so that then you can find your own path of how you where you want to work with who and how you're going to um, approach that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then what happened? So <laughs> I came here and um, I had to learn, relearn another community because when I was in California, I had different community, different issues. They are always working more with the Mexican, with the Black or African-American community, and then with the um, mainly immigrant community like Guatemalan, Mexicans, and my issues were very different, right? Like even like getting someone to get to the hospital because they don't, they're scared that they're going to call immigration Mm -hmm. and doing classes and working in communities that were like, uh, like different communities, like 11 different communities in different parts of LA. And then I come here and I have to relearn the community with again, different issues, a different history even of racism, because this is the South, you know, I hear, I got to meet people that were not even getting prenatal care because they they were afraid to go to a doctor or they didn't like the community center, how they were treated. So they would like pretty much keep prenatal care and then just go to emergency if they needed something and then to go and have the baby. Um, so that was a little bit new and shocking for me. And that's when I got really moved to, um, apply and learn more from Jenny and learn about what Jenny created that is called the easy access clinic, where not everyone, some people are going to have home birth, but not everyone is going to have a home birth, but they will get midwifery care. Mm-hmm. And then we'll have their baby at the hospital. What Jenny wanted was to create access, access yes. to care that was respectful to knowledge, to education, to connection, that since they enter in the door, they felt in a way they matter, that not everything relied in the midwife, that it was a group effort. Uh, since they were waiting in the in the waiting room that we approached them and asked them, how are you? How many weeks are you? Oh, you're 20 weeks. Do you know that um, around 20 weeks, you may have an ultrasound? Do you know what that is? You're going to look at your baby. And, and Jenny, uh, Jenny really like put her heart and her life to create this for a reason. And that's where then in my area, I figured that, that yeah, that that was the route that I wanted to go, um, especially in my area, specifically in San Pedro, I'm the only Black midwife and Hispanic. And then here in the whole, you know, Pinellas County and Hillsborough, the next person will be Gainesville, 
um and then the next person Orlando and like that but in my area specifically was like that so when I started it was a lot of people that came a lot of people didn't have to pay me and and I just did it without payment for a good year and a half <laughs> and then I was like okay maybe that's not sustainable <laughs> um but then I realized I cannot do because I'm one I cannot do homebirth for everyone and then my mine start shifting of like well midwifery is just not home birth like Jenny my mentor will say it's not having your hand at the perineum that's just a part of it that moment you know the rest the education the postpartum that connection that you're creating that that person maybe never had and that's when um a year ago I started shifting. I got certified with Jenny so to everyone I do want to share here because it's important for me this model was a lot of people practice it, but the what is the easy access clinic, the way that is done and using that word is something that was created by Jenny and is trademark trademarked by Jenny Joseph. And I encourage everyone to know about her. And if they want to know about this, to go through her because I saw people for free for a year and a half. Jenny has been doing this for 35. So when you go through the right channels to do this. You're supporting the person that did it. You're honoring that person that sacrificed a lot, um, whether it's a class, whether it's paying for that certification so that you learn the model appropriately and you can use that word, that website and go through everything that she offers. Um, so yeah. that's important for me. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine the wisdom that she has collected <laughs> over the 35 years and to take advantage of that seems like it would save a lot of heartaches in the long run Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and they are different kind of models you know that may not be for everyone but at least who want to do it you know to go through that and to do not just use that word just say oh I want to see people for free or I want to do prenatals and send them to the hospital so now I'm just creating an easy access clinic without without honoring who who created that Um, so I, I went, I did that. I got certified with Jenny and I started a year ago doing that in my area. Um, and it's been great. I went, I lowered my home birth. I'm not doing that many home births. Um, and, and yeah, and it's been, it's been really amazing because I'm able to see more people. I'm able as, as this one person, which is on my, on my clinic in my office to be able to, I feel the way that I see it, to be able to reach more of my community that when I was doing only home birth, that is very limited when you're one. As yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. 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 So describe to me what that looks like in your, in your day-to-day practice or world. So, um, I, Two things that are important to me is my office. I make sure that everyone feel represented. Um, I So people call me, I ask them what they're looking for. I explain I'm a midwife. Um, for me, that is very different. You know what they, a lot of people know what sometimes when you go with a doctor is five minutes. You know, in my case, we have 30 to 45 minutes. Um, I created a package here in Florida. A lot of people do not have insurance. 
Um, so I created a package so that people that do not have insurance can have everything with me, their labs, their prenatal and everything up to the point that they go to the hospital. I make sure I have resources to explain to them whether it's Healthy Star, to explain to them how to apply in the hospital for an emergency Medicaid so that their birth is covered. So another part that, um, that, that Jenny, that Jenny, encourages is to make to make sure that you have resources that you because sometimes we're a bridge and that those resources are safe safe spaces mm -hmm. um so I have a lot I try to gather as many resources as, as I can based on who I'm working with if he's a black person if he's an Afghani family and we need a translator I talk about what are your rights because I think sometimes people go to the hospital and they're like no this is gonna be bad they're gonna treat me bad and all of these things and I and I we do a lot of education of like not necessarily let's educate yourself let's ask questions you have rights and also let's look at the people that are in the hospital with compassion. You know, I always go like, remember when you get there, that nurse and that midwife or that doctor, that student didn't woke up and thought, oh, I don't care about my job. They also have a family. They also have their own story. So let's just bring, you know, with the best that we can bring. And then let's see what comes out of that. And, and I got really good feedback that of having that education. And then in my case, like a good connection with the hospital that I, that I transfer have been great. So um, we do a lot of that like connection and then creating affordable packages, affordable. Um, I do not really take Medicaid, I'm self-paid. So what I did is that I created my packages, not that was similar, but very close to that someone could pay it and create a payment plan. Mm -hmm. and for the Hispanic community or Latin community. Um, for me, it was very important that since the first phone call, they, they could speak their language and that I could provide resources in their language that was accurate to them in this state. So, yes, beautiful, beautiful. And um, how has the reception been from the hospital providers when they arrive in labor and you know, did it, has it changed in the time that you've been doing it? Um, I've been lucky. I hear in where I live is a hospital. It is, it's not in my city. This, the hospital that is closest to me, that is six minutes from here. I cannot describe it as the most supportive hospital, but I, they can go there. So I do uh, suggest my, my clients, my families to go to a hospital that is around 35 minutes from me. But you know what is a great group of midwives there that were already doing the work before I even moved here that they had community um, outreach with the midwives here. So by the time that I got here, we're already in conversation about how we can make this smooth. So I keep trying as much as I can, I get feedback of you know, of what, what we can do to make this smooth. So one of the things which I have here is I work also with, you know, community partners and like Healthy Star gave me this great passport where I can provide my clients. I have in Spanish and English and they have all the information with their visit. I mean, these are new ones, so it's empty, but with their visits, with my practice information, with their labs and with everything. So even though that I am sending their labs there, and I do print their labs, <laughs> they have them. I always tell my families have this in your pocket into their partner, the mom, the grandma, so that when you get there, they feel that they know who's the person that arrived there. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. And, you know, I know everyone's prepared for labor, but things come up and they may be stopping in there 28 weeks for something. And if they have that, you know, it's definitely probably helpful at three in the morning. Yeah. Maybe a, a couple fewer calls to you. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's pretty much how it works. Mm-hmm. So speaking just from a midwife to midwife view, how do you like not being on call as much? Oh, my dear. I, <laughs> what can I say? Um, I am happy. I'm really happy. I love births. I will always do births. But I, my life, I think, I mean, I haven't been doing this like, like other people like you. I'm more a baby midwife. But being on call was um was hard for me. <laughs> it was really hard for me. And I am enjoying not being on call and being able to have more freedom to do other things that I'm passionate about, like another area that I included with this that I'm not on call is teaching. So I'm a professor in a midwifery program and I enjoy that very much. And this allowed me to do that. Yeah. So tell me about that school that you teach at. Um, so it's called Southwest Tech and it's a national program. It's online, it's based in Wisconsin, um, but it works with many states. Unfortunately, not Florida anymore, not California yet, because it's a two-year program. It's MIC accredited. Um, and we I think it's a great program. We meet, we go on campus three times a year. And in the meantime, everything is face-to-face on Zoom. Um, I teach nutrition and clinic lab one, and which is like a lot of skills and newborn exam and, and different skills. And it has been amazing to get to know so many people from um, United States and other places that I didn't know we have. Um, a group of a beautiful group of um, student midwives that work with Amish community, Mennonite community, different communities, the Black community, Hispanic community, um, people from Puerto Rico. So it's been honestly, it made me fall in love with midwifery again. It made Aww. me hope. Yeah, nice. they're pretty amazing. <laughs> they're really pretty amazing. How many people are in a class there? Like uh, you know, the same level, like the graduating class. Um, we have up to, I want to say up to 60 people, not everyone graduate the same because if you don't, we, the cohort, right, it could be up to 60 people, but depending if you didn't finish your clinicals or things come up, they may graduate at different times, right, but Mm -hmm. usually it will be up to that. I want to say usually it's around 50. That's a good size. It is a good time. So we have yeah. like two sessions. So for everything and all the classes, we have two sessions to make sure that everyone as best as we can um, get the support and the information they need. Um, and the same thing, like when we see each other in person, we stay a week with them so that we can divide them into groups. Different teachers come. We get local teachers to help us. Um and, and that way we're able to, to be supportive of everyone. Okay. So I imagine there's students from all over the country there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. Well, and you teaching them all, you're going to have a lovely network <laughs> all over the country. How many midwives are you going to know? You know, that's pretty amazing. 
Mm-hmm. You're right. You're, you're going to be hearing about different issues that are coming up in different communities. Absolutely. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I feel that's important because sometimes I know myself too included that you can get busy in your own little practice um, and kind of know what's going on in your town, but you kind of lose sight of what's going on apart from that, maybe in your whole state or maybe even the whole country about what's going on and what's affecting different people. Mm-hmm. You know, the interesting thing here about the U.S. is that every single state has their own medical laws. <laughs> Yes, Angela, I think that for me as a as a teacher is the is the one of the things that have been more interesting because I'm teaching something, but of course I'm thinking about my law, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, when you do this and when you call for MFM or refer, and I have students that are like raise their hand, they're like, ah, we we actually can carry medication here, or we can do a VBAC, or we can do this. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then I have to, you know, I go like, oh, let me ask around. Let me think about that. Yeah. And I think that the laws being different in every state, the licensure being different in every state is one thing that holds healthcare back here in this country. Mm. Because to practice in different states, you have to do a whole nother licensure process. So I think a while back, they realized that they needed nurses to be able to travel more freely. So they came up with this thing called the nurses compact. And I don't know exactly how many states are in it. I imagine probably like 20, 25 and Florida is one of them. And so if you have a nursing license in one, in one of these states, you can go to any of the other 20 and practice. Wow. Yeah. So they've had that for a while. I don't know if it's been 10, 15 years, someone can Google it. Um, (laughs) I'm more of a big picture thinker than the actual minutia and details. Um, But they recently came up with the same for physicians, a medical compact, which I was very excited about, like, oh, cool, but it doesn't apply to nurse practitioners. So, and you know, we don't have one really for midwives, Mm -hmm. Um, but I guess they were getting a shortage of physicians in some states. And so they created that so that physicians could practice in different areas. And if you think about it, it's nice to be able to travel. You know, a lot of people here in Florida like to be snowboard snowbirds and wouldn't it be a, a wonderful if they could come here and practice in Florida for a bit and then go somewhere else during the hot summer months and practice somewhere else. You know, like many countries, people can do that. They can travel all over freely, but here it's not the same. Um, and I think that holds us back. I don't think that'll change because people are really into states' rights, <laughs> but I mean, we know ourselves, all of the maternity care deserts that mm-hmm. exist all around the country, um, counties that have no maternity care provider whatsoever. And some women um, in rural areas are having to drive two or three hours to get to anyone who can be with them during birth that's trained. To anyone, like you say, even to an emergency room. So Angela, in your case, as you are a nurse midwife, as a nurse, you can travel, but as a CNM, you couldn't work in a hospital or you couldn't open your practice in another state? Not without a license there. Not without a license there. Yeah. So it's legal in every state to be a nurse midwife, which is nice. But the rules are so different. So in most states, uh, nurse midwives are independent and they're, you know, a healthcare professional that can practice independently. And in other states, 
they're not. And maybe they require some little contract you sign with the doc every every year. Or maybe some of them require that you work in a doc's office. I mean, there's all different sorts of laws restricting the practice. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, so that's been as I developed my telehealth company, I would love to snap my fingers and let's be open in all 50 states. Legally, we can't do that. Legally, we have to have someone with a license in that state. Now, during COVID, they suspended some of those laws um, because of the pandemic, but most all of them now have come back. So we've expanded slowly mm -hmm. that telehealth business as I could provide, as I could find providers in each state that were willing to do it. We recently added six new states. Um, so we're up to 15 states now because one of my providers has really gotten motivated in the telehealth and has just been getting licenses everywhere, everywhere she can. So um, yeah, she's she's doing probably like eight states herself. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the challenges of midwifery that you have found in your career? Challenges. I want to say following up with what you were saying, um, education. Mm -hmm. I think education has been a challenge, like seeing how we, how as midwives, we all have different education, levels of education, le knowledge things you know that um that unfortunately you know will uh create can create a problem at some point and that when you're a student you don't know you're not you don't know what you don't know right yeah. mm -hmm. um so um in my case I went to two different schools in two different states and and they were both different now in the midwifery um world we rely in the apprentice apprenticeship model and which I think that can be very challenging because you need to find a midwife you need to find a midwife that may have other students and that may be busy may not be busy may have problems at home may not and your education is affected based in how is the life private and business life of one person um, so, um, and, and I think that I'm an example of that, you know, I had different way of teachings of learning and I feel like I had a lot of, uh, lag lagunas, lag 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 lagunas, lagoons, gaps, like, like lakes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In my education and you don't know when you don't know, right? So, you know, mm -hmm. as you become a midwife and you start working, you're in a birth, something happened, and then you realize, wait a minute, no one ever told me this, or or I didn't know, or now that I'm in a school that I think is is, is great, and we have different uh, different providers. I mean, it's a lot of uh, mid midwifery schools that are solely online. Mm-hmm. You're reading something and you never get to ask anyone that know more than you um, what this means. How does that look like when you're in a birth or when you're in a practice? And I went to one of those, which it was great, but I had to rely in the kindness of my preceptors or paying a, a midwife. So she was my academic preceptor and she had many people around the state. So I want to say that's that has been one of the biggest challenge for me as a midwife and that I see in our community. I love 
the CPM license. I love, I love what we're doing, but I think it's more work that needs to be done in the education and us coming together. Somehow, of course, with those, with having autonomy, but I think it's a lot of midwife or baby midwives are there that um, that are sent too soon or that or sent without the support that they should need. Definitely, um, definitely. And um, Augustine and I, uh, Colebrook, talked about this a while ago because she's got an idea for a residency program for midwives, you know, yeah. just like they do with brand new physicians. You can't just go out there and practice by yourself. You need to do yeah. a residency uh, for a couple of years yes. to work closely with someone because it's impossible. It's impossible in a three year program or two year program to learn everything you're going to need to know. Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And so just like the physicians, when they graduate, they go through this residency program, they're closely observed. They have someone they can ask questions to all the time. They're still learning during those first couple of years. I think that's very, very valuable. I, myself, when I graduated, um, I worked with a very experienced midwife. It was down in Miami and I worked there for five years. So it wasn't technically a residency, but it really was. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, she liked to come to every single birth. So she was there. She had 30 years of experience. She was there. And I mean, it was safe, you know, because she yeah. had been to so many births and it was a safe place to learn and make mistakes. And, you know, the mistakes wouldn't be that bad. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And so that's, I feel like that's really valuable to any new midwife out there is not saying, oh, I'm going to start a practice straight out of school. People do that. And I'm not judging them. I think that's very hard though. And I think that's not probably the best. So I was there for a few years and it really helped with safety because I was still learning from her and I had a place where I could make mistakes. Um, and my mistakes weren't that big because there was an experienced midwife by my side. So I really feel like that's the best. I know of students who have graduated and they think that's what they're getting. And so they go work at a birth center, but then they realize all oh, the other two midwives are brand new too. And we're all so busy. We don't have time for any questions. Absolutely. You know? I, I, that was me. Or suddenly now the midwife lost, like one of the midwives now is not working there. So goodbye me teaching you because now I need that you go on your own to this birth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, um, I've only hired one midwife myself to work with me because I've had a small practice. And when she started, I didn't expect her to be perfect and run off to all the births herself. You know, we still attended births together. Um, and there'd be occasionally one that I couldn't make or whatever she couldn't make. But most all of our births, we attended together because I know she was still learning. You know, for I think that um, three years is what she worked for me. And then she decided to get out of uh, birth and clinical practice. Mm -hmm. It was too stressful. Uh, one of my podcasts I did with her about burnout. Yes. Yes. Um, and we reviewed a research article about burnout and she was a little high anxiety before she even became a midwife. Mm -hmm. And one of the factors in the research they found is that people with high anxiety do not do well in midwifery, mm -hmm. that they achieve burnout a lot sooner because they're just worrying all the time about all the different things. So as you know, as a midwife, we're juggling so many things. Mm -hmm. I think anyone who's not a very busy healthcare provider can't imagine the number of cases and stories and problems mm -hmm. that are there in our orbit that could call us at any second 
Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, this one, her blood pressure is trending upward. Oh yeah, she's calling me with a headache. This is important. You know, like this is in our head. Yes. So when we're high anxiety, it's harder for people to let that go. Mm-hmm. I am the opposite. I am very low anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm able to worry about it when I need to, and then put it down and be like, most of the time, and it's, it's a practice, you know, but I'm going to set this down and I'm going to read my book and forget all about this until I need to deal with it again. Yes. You know? Yes. Yeah. So- I love that. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. And that and I, that's also one of the things that you learn when you're a student, but it changed very quickly when you have a license. Because mm-hmm. when you are a student and you someone else have the responsibility of a license, the legal responsibility um is one thing, but when it changed to you, you don't know that until you're doing that. But no, yeah. I, I that will be phenomenal. That will be phenomenal. I think that that will be that has been my biggest challenge. I will, and that's one of the reasons also where I'm not practicing. You know, I I know what I know. I wish I could be with a group. I wish I could be with midwives that have done this longer than me. Um, and maybe if that happened one day, I will go back to do that. Um, I don't know that I want to be on call. <laughs> No, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, yeah, I think that that's one of the biggest things. So if you guys can ever pull something out like that, that would be great. Um, in my case, um, after being a lot of frustration, my newest baby is a continuing education school where I wanted to bring different topics um, in different languages from different mentors and instructors from different backgrounds. Um because of that, because we do not all get the same education. Sometimes you go to a conference and you get to learn something or talk to someone or you have a friend and you're like, can I visit you for a weekend and learn something? But um, I wanted to do something more structured that if someone thought like, okay, I want to take a I want to learn more about a newborn exam that I will take that class maybe from a pediatrician, from another midwife, um, in Spanish, in English. Um, and that's nearly what I'm working on that came out of that frustration. Yes. So have you come up with this? Have you named it? Can I advertise it? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so we're opening in March 15 and the name of the school is Kibi. K-I- K-I-B-I, and it's Colibri International Birth Institute, and it's mainly continuing education in the United States, but we have instructors from different places, from here, from Colombia, from Spain, from, from several places, different ages. It was, um, I think we have a lot of young people that are bringing amazing things. We had midwives that have been doing this for 40 years that unless sometimes you don't see them in a conference or they're your friend, you don't learn from them, right? Um, so I wanted to bring that for nurses, midwives, um, chiropractors, like people that are associated with the birth world. Um, and yeah, so as soon as it's open, I'm going to send it to you. Um, but I've been working on that for the past two years. And the colibri is the uh, hummingbird? Yes. Aww. Yes, yes, yes. Which in my culture, for the Taino Indians, is the giver of life, the pollinator. Yes. Um, so so I, I love that. As I was thinking about that, and 
And I went through a little, you know, a dark moment where like, oh my God, how how I still going to call myself a midwife if I'm not doing births, you know? So it's been that transition of like, okay, I still, I'm still doing it, but it just look a little bit different. Yeah. Well, I would say that you are helping birth students, student midwives, right? Mm -hmm. And you're helping um, birth empowered moms and families that are, are going through your clinic. You know what I mean? Because birth, like you said, is one moment, but how they're treated during their pregnancy, how the instructions they're giving postpartum, I'm sure you do some breastfeeding support, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. all of that is so impactful. Um, so yes, there's many different ways to be a midwife. Yeah. And I like what you're doing. <laughs> Gracias. Thank you. Yeah, and you're right. It was like like yesterday. I had an experience that was really moving for me. Um, with a with a family, and I'm going through. You know, we send the paperwork and the forms, but sometimes there are questions that are not answered, right? So when they come here, I go in order to know them better and make sure that everything is filled out. Go to the questions that were left out. So when it comes the question of, um, are you safe at home? have you have you been abused or are you in a relationship where you can consider that is abuse and then finally the last question was were you sexually abused um i i had the computer in front of me i look at her i ask but then i went back to my computer and i hear a yes but her voice was a different yes. So I stopped, put my computer down and look at her and she's in tears. And she said, no one ever in my life had asked me that. No one ever have asked me if I'm safe, if I was abused. And then I proceed to say, to explain, I say, yeah, if at any point I'm touching you, even when I'm checking the baby or anything that can be triggering or that, you know, you need a moment just please say say stop or or anything and, and it's okay that's why we're here and the same thing when you're in another setting this is your body we will never do anything without consent and she cry and cry and cry and I just stayed there and and it has stayed with me since yesterday just the way she said it and I'm like it is true you know like even that that's midwifery she's like I've because she transferred with me. She's like, I was, I've seen a doctor they have of my pregnancy, but no one ever asked me that or even my family. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So you taught her something very, very valuable, you know? And I think that once people get used to respectful care yes. mm-hmm. with informed consent and informed refusal, once they get used to that, it's hard yeah. to go back to the other because they will demand <laughs> Yeah, everyone treat them like that. It's like once you're in a really healthy relationship where people are kind to you and respect you and it's hard to go back to an abusive one. Right. Because, you know, this is this is the way it should be. Right. And so what you are doing is so valuable and it's reaching a lot more people than probably if you just had a little home birth practice. Uh, Absolutely. In my case. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So your impact is going to be broader. Yeah. And all of those students that you teach is so amazing. I'm a little envious of your schedule. Definitely. (laughs) 
<laughs> um, and I, I, I love and I honor what you're doing, but sometimes it's hard to get out of what we are, are already doing. You know what I mean? Angela, I know what you mean because I learned, I studied this, I learned this, and it took me two years until last week to be able to say, okay, I think I can do this. Okay, I'm enjoying this. I can think I can be okay if I don't do as many home births, or it is okay if I'm seven months out of the year that I'm not on call. Yes, yes, yes. yes. And how many home birth providers would you say are in your area? Um, I want to say, unfortunately, we had a birth center. The birth center of St. Pete just closed now in December. Um, and right now we have new people that are coming. So I want to say base here in St. Pete, I think is other is another practice, maybe one more practice, but we have midwives that maybe are located in Tampa, 30, 40 minutes from here that come and do home birth here. So, I mean, we have, I want to say maybe around six midwives. Mm -hmm. that are community midwives and then we have I mean not right here but maybe 30 40 minutes from us around three um three four birth centers three three for sure okay birth center. yeah 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 so, so not a long drive they can get the birth center birth too they do the only the only I want to say issue that I'm facing is that unfortunately if I have uh uh a Hispanic family where they speak Spanish or they want to be cared by someone that speaks Spanish. I don't have you here. So, <laughs> you know, so uh, I can, it's no one else. It's no one that speaks Spanish. So that, like you said, you know, one is hard for us to change. Maybe like, like for these last two years, I will like sometimes wake up crying or feel so weird. And I'm like, really, I want to do this, but I knew I wanted to do it. Um, but it's almost like letting go of that first dream of your first love, right? You go to school and you're like, I'm going to do births and I'm going to do this um, or I'm going to work for this community. Um, so that unfortunately is not around. There are not a lot of, um, it's me and one more black midwife that work in a birth center. So I do hear of a lot of um, families that are disappointed that I'm, that I cannot do their home birth. So right now I started doing like a pilot program where I have other midwives helping me so I can do the care. And then someone else does the last three visits, the birth and the first visit, and I'm involving the care, um, but I'm not necessarily going to those births. So we've, it's new. I don't know that I'm going to keep it, but yeah, it is for families that they're like, I really want someone that looks like me involved in my care, even you know, if you're not going to be there. Yes. And I think that that's so important. I mean, the, the information that I've studied has definitely said that that helps improve outcomes. We need a ton more midwives. We do. We do. <laughs> and different midwives from different backgrounds. I just working in the school now seeing the amount of um, even families that would love to have someone that practice their religion. Mm -hmm. you know, not just that look like them but that maybe practice their religion that they oh if I want to maybe pray or hold space or do something specifically Muslim like absolutely we need more midwives we do we need of all types we need CNMs we need CPMs we need all the different types 
Um, we need them all over the country and we need lots more um, midwives of color. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes. In collaboration, I mean, what you're doing, like for us to be able to send someone with you to do a telehealth, because here in my case, like I cannot, once they're in care with me, if a doctor needs to see them, they have to go to emergency or to the hospital. So, yeah. The MFM won't deal with you there? We do, but I only send them when it's something high risk. Yeah. Like if it's an infection, I can't prescribe or okay, something yeah. like that. You know, like I still, if they, you know, depend on what's happening, like I send them there. But yeah, but in general, like we have to maneuver that. Yeah. So the high risk stuff can go to the MFM. And if they just yeah. have a urine infection, they can do a telehealth with me, Midwife yeah. RX. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I, and I, that's why I created Midwife RX because I had a lot of requests coming from uh, local midwives that I knew. And I'm like, okay, I really should get a system together to start a little chart on these people, you know? And so like, I need to get more organized. And then really the push for telehealth came after I had someone, uh, another midwife refer one of their patients to me who was so depressed they had become agoraphobic. Mm -hmm. which means she was afraid to leave her house and she was a mom of several kids. I can't remember how many, maybe four kids or so she couldn't even go to the grocery. Her depression and anxiety was so bad. And I'm like, so I couldn't tell her to come to the office, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, how am I going to do this? And she lived way far away from me. So I'm like, I don't want to go there. <laughs> so then I started researching, well, I guess I could do a telehealth visit. And this was, I don't know if this was seven years ago or something. And that really was like the impetus for me to get my, you know, my shit together and <laughs> get a good software system that makes it easy. Cause that's what we need, um, for everyone to, to connect and be able to get medications if they need it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I know that when midwives, refer a patient to me for medication they need it <laughs> because yeah. they've tried other things first many of them you know they've tried herbs and stuff maybe for way too long and they've been suffering with mastitis for a very long time so when they finally come to me I'm like yes let's let's get this done with let's help you out yeah so. yeah well I think that's plenty that we've said today is there anything you wanted to add to any of our listeners what you're going to be midwives, birth workers, students all across the country. Um, thank you for having me here. Um, we need you for anyone that is considered being a midwife. We need you, but at the same time, I do advise, um, do your research. Know what you're getting into is uh, is a beautiful profession. It's not an easy profession. Um, it can be done. Um, and I want to say that's that, you know, there are many communities that will benefit from, from having more people, but do your research and know what you're getting into before, before you join us. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, yes. And, you know, I would say seek out the other midwives in your area, talk to them about what their life is like, um, see what they think the need is for around them. Um, and then find your own space. You know, your practice doesn't have to look like anybody else's. You've paved your own way, Zul, you know, with help of senior midwives to help Absolutely. guide you. Um, and I think things might shift at different points in our life, too. You know, I question myself, how long am I going to be able to keep up this pace? 
I mean, right now I'm doing three or four births a month. It's not the 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 most births, obviously, but you come home from birth where you've been there for two nights and you know, your body's like, why am I still doing this? Yeah. Um <laughs> So I don't think I'll be able to keep up my same pace until I'm 70, you know, but that's why I'm like begging. Let's come on midwives. Let's get it together. Let's train more people. Whenever I do decide I need to teach or do other things and not be on call, I want there to be other midwives in my town. I want there to be a birth center here. You know, I, I don't want to abandon this County that has no other community birth option in this County, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm making the call out right now, Indian River County, Bureau <laughs> Beach, Florida, come here. Okay. We need come. you. We, we need, need you. you. You know, Angela, and something, I guess finally that it was so beautiful when we went to the conference, um, we're here for each other. You know, even if you don't know someone, call us, you know, write us an email, like it's support. I think like I left so inspired to support and to be here for other midwives and new midwives. Sometimes we can be isolated, but no, we're here. We're a phone call away. We're an email away. Um, you're not alone. You're not alone. We're in this together. I think no one understands a midwife like another midwife. You know, no one understands exactly what that entails. And so yeah, the conference was so powerful. I hadn't been to a big midwifery conference in a while and just the sisterhood, um, everyone there sharing, you know, and just people who get it, yes. you know, people who really get it. And so that was beautiful. And we need to create that. You know, I know in my area that we get together every once in a while for peer review, okay. you know, during COVID, we would do it during Zoom, but like, we got to make that happen. You know, that doesn't happen by itself. We have to make that happen. We have to reach out and um, we have to keep midwifery alive and keep it strong and support each other. So I'm very thankful to my local midwives who have my back. And if I've run out of Rogam, I had one of them bring me a Rogam to a birth. You know what I mean? That I needed um, after the fact. And you know, just having backup, even though they're not in my town, it, it feels, you know, it feels good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Thank you yeah. for having me here. I love talking to you. I love talking to you. <laughs>